0: Hello and welcome to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out out, you found the right podcast but also you're not in the minority. Research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of young people officially think gardening is cool, mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools are back for season 2 as sponsors of the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast so why not join me in following them on Instagram? At Draper underscore tools. In this episode, I got to chat with the lovely Tess from Ladybird Plant Care all about biological pest controls, a question which I have had endless messages about since the first season. Whether you're battling aphids, slugs, fungus gnats, or red spider mite, she's got a solution for you. It's really such a fascinating topic and something I think more and more people will be trying in the coming months. This episode also has some really good advice on what to do at this time of year so that your future self will thank you, so I'd recommend grabbing a pad and taking some notes. Enjoy! Morning Tess, lovely to have you on the podcast, how are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. It's a lovely, sunny Saturday morning. Finally, we've got some sunshine. The summer is here for four days only.
1: (laughs) Although someone did say, oh, it's going to last till next weekend. I was like, that'd be amazing.
0: Imagine. Imagine we had more than a week of it. I know, my tomatoes might go from green to red. You never know. Mine too. I'm actually, I've not been to the allotment in like four days and I'm hoping that some of the big tomatoes that I've been waiting to ripen for what feels like eight weeks will finally be ready yeah yeah loads of people like I've just taken them off now and
1: put them on the windowsill.
0: yeah I'm so close and because the blight hasn't affected if the blight hasn't hit you yet I feel like you've got to hold on to every strand of hope yeah definitely hopefully no more blight no more rain for a bit fingers crossed so today I'm really excited to chat to you because we're here to talk all about pests and um plant pests is something that every single person I know is battled with whether it's slugs or aphids or red spider mite Um, and it's actually really good timing because I have just finished reading the plant health module for my RHS level two which is all about pests and diseases so I'm hoping that this will be quite good education for me as well as for everyone else. Um, So to start off could you tell us a little bit about how your biggest business began?
1: Yeah, so the business has actually been around since the early 2000s um, and it was bought by a friend of mine. Um, and when I was looking at what I was going to do after having come back to work, the working world after having the twins, um, she said, You could do this. You could um, take over Ladybird Plant Care and run it. So I have been running Ladybird Plant Care since November 2018. Mm -hmm. so it's quite a slow start to start in November kind of got a chance to over the summer beforehand completely redo the website and get completely up to speed on everything and so I've been running the company since then it's um growing because the interest in gardening is growing and 2020 gave all garden businesses I think a massive boost because suddenly everybody was into gardening so um Yeah, 2020 was really great, um, more for the entry-level products. And then people have been kind of finding their way through more biologicals in the last last this season, really. So that's really brilliant. And the houseplants as well, lots and lots of people have got into the house plants. There's been a massive explosion in houseplant ownership. And unfortunately, houseplants love a pest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you tend to keep them in close quarters with each other, so they like to like pass pests around and um, give their owners some real headaches. So the season doesn't seem to um, quite enough so much anymore, which is brilliant because then there's lots to do all year round and lots of people to talk to about the plants. Um, and the seasonality is still there outside, but inside we get to kind of grow our knowledge all year round, which is brilliant.
0: That does sound amazing. And so did you have any sort of like prior experience with biological pest controls before or did you kind of jump straight in and learn from afresh? I jumped straight in. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm a bit. um, But yeah, I didn't really know an awful
1: lot. But my background is um, in the, the agency world of um, helping companies with their marketing mm-hmm. so I've always had to do that so I've had like hundreds of clients over the years um, and I've had to really learn their business and get really under the skin of what they do and and even that's a very technical side of their businesses so it's not unusual for me to be having to really really gen up on things and also um, until very recently I answered every single customer call so you get to know people's pest problems much better when you speak to them on the phone and discuss them with them and talk about their gardens and um I also have the backing of a technical team at my supplier so I can um speak to them and they work with commercial growers so there's nothing they haven't seen Mm -hmm. so I have that as well but on most of the house and garden pests the home gardening people um I'm up to speed on everything that they need to know on the whole, which is crazy. It's not been that long, but
0: yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot to know, isn't there as well? Because it's not, it's not like there's. I know that there's a sort of set number of common pests, which I'm guessing are the sort of introductory controls that you spoke about. But there are actually so, so, so many different pests that can affect different plants in different ways. And it's that like plant diagnosis, I guess, that's one of the most important parts because you need to sort of figure out exactly what is needed to solve that issue.
1: Yeah and I think there's a varying degree of people's knowledge as well and some people if there's an insect on one of their plants they freak out and actually most insects are absolutely harmless and so it's kind of looking at the damage looking at if they've got a photograph of the pest or they they can describe the pest but the damage is quite distinctive usually most pests have a different um, footprint that they leave behind in Mm -hmm. a way so looking at what how the plants reacting to the pest is a good diagnosis to what's going on but there's also if you think about say something like aphids in the garden sometimes indoors unfortunately for some people um, there's a whole range of uh, biologicals just for aphids so lots of pests there's one solution but when there's more than one solution that adds to the confusion and the, um, yeah
0: you know choice is a good thing and a bad thing mm-hmm. definitely which is great to have you on hand to give lots of advice I know um, Amy from Chicks and Veg that's how I found your account actually she comes to you for advice quite a lot and I'm always fascinated by the different things that you can use to sort of solve different issues
1: yeah and actually was there was one where she was just doing her greenhouse tour in the morning and I replied to one of my stories that you've got spider white in there <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it um, that, that sort of telltale mottling of the cucumber leaves, I thought there's
0: some spider mite in there. Oh, you're a great person to have on hand watching people's stories. Then. <laughs> no, no, I like the voice of doom. <laughs> um, so just taking it back to basics a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about how biological pest control works for those people who might not have come across it before? Yeah, so all of the products that I sell
1: are naturally occurring in, in this country um, and probably across most of Northern Europe. So you're not introducing anything that is going to like take over the world. It's not like red squirrels versus grey squirrels, <laughs> that kind of thing. And um, all of these, all of the insects are naturally occurring in our, in our ecosystem in this country. So you're, what you're doing is you're boosting the population of whatever the pest is, it's natural predator. So that might be something that eats it. Or it might be something that uses that kills the pest in order to reproduce itself so everything that um apart from there's a couple of um organic sprays that i sell that are um, totally safe the everything else is all about introduced boosting the population of the pest's natural predator mm-hmm. so by introducing house plants into your house by growing lots of amazing plants in your garden you're actually boosting the population of the pest and sometimes the pests can get completely out of hand and then you need to introduce some predators to kind of equal out the balance
0: that's amazing and so it doesn't it's not throwing off any kind of balance it's sort of introducing more of the beneficial
1: yeah um, no there's nothing you can do to no you can't really overdose on natural predators um if you have too many they'll probably just die out um, or they'll move on because they haven't got enough to feed on one of the most common questions that i get asked um particularly on to houseplant people is um how can i keep the population of predators alive well the problem with that is that you need to introduce more pests and yeah. that's a lot you want to do so the pests eat the plants which is why they're pests so the only um insects that are classed as pests are the ones that actually cause damage to plants the ones that just mosey on do their own thing they're not they're not classed as pests so the only um products that you can you can't buy predators for insects that aren't a problem
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and you can't keep a population of predators alive unless you continually introduce more pests so um yeah I, get that <laughs> <option>. <laughs> I can imagine imagine
0: being like oh can i just order some aphids so that i can keep the keep the predators yeah. alive you can buy bee food
1: mm-hmm. um it's something that i might introduce in the spring um sort of bug food that to in, encourage more beneficials into the garden but uh on the whole yeah they're they're all completely safe they can't, they're not going to cause an outbreak there's not a really an
0: outbreak
1: <laughs> um and there is it's because you've got an outbreak of pests and they're just going
0: to clean up the, the problem they sound like very helpful people to well not people there's insects to problem. have yeah good good bugs yeah um and i know this was a question that i got quite a lot um when i started using um nematodes for the slugs earlier this year is are they child and pet friendly which i would assume that they are but it's one of those questions that people are very conscious of
1: yeah you know they're completely safe um i think the problem with nematodes is that there's, there's i don't know hundreds of thousands of species of nematode mm-hmm. in existence and some of those are dangerous to humans and dangerous to plants and dangerous to animals but not the ones that we sell for garden pests and household pests they're very their pest it's difficult to say pest specific mm-hmm. um, so the slug ones only go after slugs mm-hmm. that's all, all they're interested in the only thing that you might want to be wary of is if you've got a pond with like uh, aquatic snails then you would just have a little bit of an exclusion zone around that so that you're not getting run off and affecting your kind of pet snails.
0: Oh, Okay that makes a lot of sense. Um, So would you mind explaining a little bit more about the sort of specific biological controls for a few of the really common um, pests that we have?
1: So slugs we've talked about that's nematodes and then the other soil-based pests the top sort of house plant and seedling and greenhouse one would be scarred fly which most people know as fungus gnats mm-hmm. you probably see them hovering around compost and in, if you compost yourself you, you definitely have come across them on house plants they tend to hover around the surface of the plant and the adult scarred fly are um, harmless they don't really do any damage but the larvae which live in the soil and growing material they lead to where at the roots of the plant Cause it damage. So um, that's probably one of the most common house plant pests. After that, I would say spider mite and thrips. Similar um, damage, they both cause weakening of the plant by eating the plant materials. Both of those can be controlled by, sorry, the scarab fly can be controlled by nematodes. That's pretty much the best way of controlling those nematodes and then some yellow sticky traps to collect the adults up and then the nematodes for the soil one treatment or two treatments over a fortnight gone and then the yes. Yeah, so spider mite and thrips, both of those have predators that are crawling so they eat the um the pest and both of those have a product have products that are either slow release that are for very low level infections or uh, infections <laughs> infestations or um for a preventative it's really some place that people are very good at preventing pests by just having preventative products in place and then um both of them have a product that's like a killer so it's a real cleanup it's a real one-shot wonder it goes it whichever of the predators it is for whichever pest goes in cleans it up done and then you'd probably want to introduce the preventative to keep keep that under control Um, then back to the garden aphids spring summer huge problem because they reproduce so quickly you literally mm-hmm. turn your back turn back around and it's they're covered there's lots of predators for aphids the parasitic wasps are fantastic and then the um, larvae of ladybird and lacewing are also brilliant because they're very very hungry because they're looking to grow into that adult stage and um, just kind of depending on your growing conditions whether you're growing under glass in a polytunnel or outside and what the weather's like would depend on what you would use for aphids but you can also use horticultural soap which is one of my most popular products and it's a wonder product you can use it on lots of different things it's completely safe um and you can just grab it and and spray Mm -hmm. and then I suppose the only other kind of big garden pests are the soil dwellers like the um lace um the vine weevil larvae and the adults can cause a bit of a mess but the larvae really can um cause damage to the plant you can end up with no roots at all You go, yeah yeah and then the lawn pests as well so chauffeur grub and the leather jacket again they eat away at the roots of the lawn and that's how you end up with the brown bald lawn from those um pests i think that's probably the most common ones um other than that there's all the things that affect fruit and vegetables like the sawflies flies and the root flies and the caterpillars. And those have all got, all got products for them as well.
0: Amazing. It seems like there is actually quite a lot of solutions out there that people probably just aren't aware of. I know a year ago I had absolutely no idea that there even were options like that. Cause obviously a lot of us want to stay away from sort of pesticides and fungicides and bits and pieces, um, but it's then trying to work out what the sort of biologically friendly friendly option is. Yeah, exactly. So going back to the pests, um, I know that you've got a pest control calendar. Do you, is that something that's quite a useful tool to pe- for people to sort of look at as um, a bit of a pest control timing system for when they might um, come about? I actually think that it's better for you to kind of keep
1: almost like a pest diary Mm -hmm. I always tell people to keep a note of when pests have arrived because it's different for different plants it's different for different weather conditions and growing conditions and and for house plants you will set up how many grow lights you've got and (coughs) how warm you keep it inside so I think it's better for people to have their own kind of pest control diary calendar going on so that they can keep um they know them from year to year. So if you know that you had a really bad spider mite infestation end of August <clears throat> this year, then next year you could keep an eye on that early on, you know, a few weeks before, or if the weather is looking like it's going to be similar. And prevention or early treatment is always the best. Once a pest infant once pests have kind of infested a plant, it's much harder to get them under control. And it's hard and I would say it's harder for the predators. It's not harder for the predators because they have no idea, but um, they will just eat what they would normally eat. They're not going to suddenly increase appetite because you've got more pests. Um, so I think knowing knowing what you're growing and what they're what that plant those plants are susceptible to, and keeping a really close eye, so a really good weekly check, really under leaves and in nooks and crannies and just general keeping an eye on your plants is really really important and products like SB plant invigorator and um, the horticultural soft soap they're really good to help you with that so say you just do like a fortnightly check and you give them a bit of a spritz with those products then you're giving them the best chance to stay pest free really yeah so i think although the calendar can be useful i think as a gardener or a house planter, you kind of know your seasons and you know what you're growing and what what pests are likely to be a problem to you. So I've toyed with taking the pest calendar down off the website. <laughs> because, um, it's a bit different each year, and it's a bit different for different people and different plants, so it might be something that expand in the future um, or just change into something that's more about keeping an eye on. On your um, plants, and yeah, I would really, really recommend if you've had a pest problem, really kind of diarise it or put it on the calendar, set reminders on your phone, whatever it is to be a bit more forewarned next year. Yeah,
0: I think that's such good advice. It's something that comes up quite a lot in different episodes. Of it's all about your particular growing situation. It's not necessarily one one solution fits all. <clears throat> I've actually got a five-year grower's calendar my voice is good mm. <clears throat> I've got a five-year growing calendar um it's a I think it's an RHS book that my sister bought me for Christmas a couple of yeah. years ago and I've started trying to be quite religious with like um recording sort of how different plants went throughout the year whether the aubergines didn't produce or whether the tomatoes fruited really late um, and the pest is definitely something I've started adding in this year. I mm-hmm. had a massive aphid infestation in, I think it was like June, July time. It was right after I just planted out the squash, and I didn't know what it was that was affecting that was affecting the leaves. I put it on Instagram, and loads of people told me it was um, cucumber mosaic virus or squash mosaic virus. And then I was like, oh god, like what <laughs> am I going to do with nasty. that? Oh, well, like yeah, mosaic. <laughs> like oh it's just aphids yeah it was just aphids and when I realized I was like oh I wish I'd realized this a couple of weeks sooner because now it's over everything yeah because I was like panicking and I was like I don't know what to do I don't know whether to pull all the plants up or um but yeah and then the issue soon stopped and so yeah Yeah. I'm I'm trying to track everything I can in that five-year growing calendar um colours and
1: journals that you can buy for gardens and they've got lovely pages for you to help you plan and yeah they should yeah I think um that's a must for everybody to have some kind of journal or diary or just a notebook that you keep track of what you've been up to and what's gone well and what hasn't gone well and the pests that were involved I think that's a great idea yeah
0: brilliant um and so I had a little question going back to the ladybirds for aphids specifically I know that you can order adults and larvae Do they do different things and is there kind of like a recommended balance between the two if you were ordering for a specific aphid problem?
1: I always recommend the larvae because they are generally hungrier and you get more and they don't fly. So if you release adult ladybirds into onto a pest-infested plant, the likelihood is um they will eat the aphids but your neighbor might have aphids too and they might decide that they prefer the aphids next door (laughs) um so that's a problem um whereas the larvae they will stay where they are because they're crawling creatures and they have a mission and that mission is to turn into an adult ladybird so they need to eat and eat and eat to get to be an adult Mm -hmm. and that's why i would recommend the larvae over the adults and the other larvae that are great are the lacewing larvae because they are potentially hungrier and they don't just eat aphids, they'll eat other um, pests as well. There's a misconception with ladybirds as well is that they'll eat anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of the time, they will just eat aphids. They're not going to eat spider mite and they're not going to eat thrips. They're, they will just eat aphids on the whole. They'll find aphids and eat aphids. So, yeah, both um, with aphids I would go with the crawling creatures or the parasitic wasps then mm-hmm. both yeah
0: brilliant um and then moving on slightly to how the sort of biological controls work in different spaces so like you said if they were sort of released into the garden they could quite possibly fancy snacking on the neighbor's aphids instead um do they work slightly differently in a more controlled space like a greenhouse I guess because they're a little bit more contained
1: yeah yeah most of the controls will work better if they're contained um you might have you you occasionally see in more um professional growing situations where people have obviously got some kind of pest problem you might see a whole a big plant or a tree that's covered in like fleece like you would cover for frost but they're doing that in the summer and that's because they've got predators at work on those Oh, okay yeah so they're either trying to resist a pest or they've got predators um inside so they're they're keeping them in place and um, some people that treat their houseplants for pests will isolate them in a room or under under a cloche or whatever to keep those predators in place and yeah polytunnel or a greenhouse if you've got predators working it's quite a good idea to keep them closed up Mm-hmm. um just in place so you just you just reduce most of the products that i sell you end up with more predators than you probably will need so um you can afford to lose a few but you want to kind of keep as many as you can because they'll work quicker they'll get get that job done quicker and again it's worth remembering that they're not highly trained into <laughs> I have no idea how much infestation you have um they don't, they, they don't know that they have to eat a bit quicker or a bit more.
0: <laughs> They're not like circus-trained insects or anything, then.
1: I, I don't really have the time to train them.
0: <laughs> Imagine if you did.
1: Right, guys. <laughs> this house you're going to. They've got
0: a real <laughs> problem. <laughs> um, and then moving on to the houseplants specifically, um, if you were introducing sort of a biological control for something like fungus gnats, would you then have i can't remember what the exact control was for the fungus gnats but i've definitely got some in my greenhouse um but would you then have sort of flying predators in your house that you might be a bit concerned about or are they sort of a level that you wouldn't notice for
1: um the house plant pest pretty much all of the controls are crawling mm-hmm. um or nematode based. So the nematodes get watered into the soil and you won't see them. You won't see them when you're doing it, probably you won't see them. They're tiny, they're microscopic eelworms. So um for fungus gnats you water the nematodes into the growing material and that's all you need to do. Um, you just then need to keep the soil moist but not wet. Mm-hmm. Um keep the nematodes alive for the time it takes them to do their job um and then the other predators for houseplant pests are mostly mites so they crawl around and you can buy a a mite for um fly fungus gnats which is called hypoaspis and they um are crawling creatures so they'll crawl around eating the pests and then once they've been fed they can live up to 70 days oh wow um, on on one feed so people that aren't squeamish about things living in their house but I mean if you've got pests you've got stuff living in your house anyway yeah Um, they're quite a good one because if the pest problem was to come back then then they'd still be there to deal with it um but yeah the the things for spider mite and for thrips are just tiny crawling beasts and once there's nothing for them to eat they just die out Mm -hmm. Um,
0: They're like grains of sand, really. They're tiny. (laughs) Perfect. Um, And then I know you mentioned the yellow sticky traps. Is that Mm. something that you would recommend people having sort of like in a greenhouse or with certain house plants, just so that you can be aware when sort of bug problems start? They're perfect for identification, either if you don't
1: know what you've got or you're making sure that you're getting it nice and early so those yellow sticky traps are for most things and then the blue sticky traps are for thrips specifically um and reds for leaf hopper but people don't tend to have leaf hopper um so much and you can cut them into pieces so you could have them in in your seedling trays um or you could hang them up in the greenhouse um but yes they're really really handy for Identification of a problem or identification of a particular pest, and they're great early warning signal as well. Yeah, that, and also that's... they're great. They're great for like, like for example, with scared fly fungus gnats, you can't um, kill the adults with a predator, so you need to do something to control the adults. And and because the adults fly, you'll be able to catch
0: them on the sticky traps. <laughs> and then it's interrupting the life cycle, so they're not producing more and more, that, and keeping up the issue. I definitely need to get some for my greenhouse I think that I've got potentially a couple of problems in my greenhouse that I've been maybe ignoring for a few weeks.
1: People need to be thinking about at the moment it's the fact that if they've had a big slug problem or they've had a big vine weevil problem this year don't wait till the spring to start thinking about sorting it out you need to be treating for that now Mm -hmm. because you need to interrupt the life cycle as you said you need to stop you need to cut the adults now so that they stop laying eggs that will hatch out in the spring so um, really really important time to be treating all soil-based pests is now before the soil-based pests become eggs that you can't do anything about and they'll just hatch out in the spring and you'll just continue your vicious circle of hundreds of slugs
0: <laughs> do you know what after i applied my nematodes i actually noticed a massive difference like i've barely barely noticed any slug problems this year what it is is I've got wood chip around all of my beds and so the slugs that were in the beds were just ones that were in the beds and no more seem to come in because they don't like crawling across the wood chip but there had been ones in there for a few years where I'd obviously not done anything to sort of stop them whereas this year I think I've maybe seen two or three. Um, They're very iceberg-like
1: slug populations they're mostly underground Mm -hmm. so the ones you see on in and around beds they're just a very small proportion of the population that you've got in that growing space and the ones that are underground are obviously eating root material oh okay you love a potato
0: my potatoes got got were got by the blight before they've got anything else (laughs) they were still fine though I dug them up as soon as the sort of blight infestation infection began and um they were actually a pretty good size. I was quite impressed because I thought that they weren't really ready yet. But sometimes you just have to take the positives where you can find them. And I think it's
1: important for people to think about the fact that I think the weather has been weird this year. It has been unusual, but that doesn't mean it won't be next year. Mm-hmm. So, yes, write this year off is like, oh, it was terrible and lots of stuff happened. But be prepared for the same sorts of things to happen next year and, and
0: kind of plan for that. Yeah. I think that's that's really good advice like now is a really good time to sort of like make sure that you're batting down on those issues ready for next year
1: and like if you're going to give the you're going to empty the greenhouse out make sure you're giving it a really good clean and you're getting in all the nooks and crannies pests like to hide down bamboo canes they like to hide in their little lip underneath the edge of a plastic pot Um, they'll be everywhere in their overwintering stasis, ready to um come back with a flourish next year. <laughs> so, uh, cleaning, doing lots of cleaning over the winter
0: months is really important. And is there any particular product you'd recommend for cleaning the greenhouse with? Like, is just a kind of standard soap, just soapy water, just soapy water is fine.
1: Okay, um, it's more about the detail. It's it's um not just giving it a bit of a wipe. It's it's thinking about the hidey places perfect good
0: job for the winter well autumn (laughs) lovely water and freezing cold lovely yeah I remember cleaning out pots in like January last year with my freezing cold water butt water and I was just shivering
1: (laughs) yeah I think um there's like a meme I think about your future self loving the fact that you cleaned all your pots at the end of summer and put them somewhere they
0: weren't gonna get dirty a hundred percent because it's so much harder I remember finding loads of, like, spider eggs and stuff in the, like, lips of pots and trying to get them out, like, once they've been there all winter was a nightmare and it just grossed me out a little bit. Yeah,
1: and if you make a big solution up of the um, horticultural soap, you
0: can dip stuff in there and, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: get rid of stuff like that.
0: Perfect. And so moving on to a few questions that I've asked every guest so far. Um, Do you have a plant nemesis?
1: And um, this year it's been sunflowers <laughs> um, luckily I didn't big it up with the children I was going to buy them a sunflower each and be like yes we can do or like grow them a sunflower each and let me like yeah we're going to do this gonna be a competition I'm really glad that I didn't because they've been a nightmare they've attracted more slugs and snails than any other plant I've ever seen in my life and every morning they're just like coated in slime um I even took so one of them I took I um took pity on and it was in a pot right outside the back door so I brought it in every night <laughs> you need some. Uh, have you fed the cat have you turned the lights off have you brought the sunflower in um I brought it in chopped off all the dead bits started to come back there was buds and then all of the buds flowered against the stem oh yeah, no just sodgy that's ridiculous <laughs>
0: The sunflowers are such naughty plants. I've seen loads of people that had it this year where all of their sunflowers like face the fence or face outwards. Mine last year, I grew an entire corner of them and they all faced everyone else's allotments. Like they would like stood in the naughty corner and I was fuming. So this year I literally did a massive project so I could put them on the opposite corner. And I would say like 80% of them this time face inwards. I had a nightmare with them also. I must've sown about 2000 seeds and I've probably got maybe eleven sunflowers. <laughs> Insane! That's ridiculous. But there I are twenty percent that are facing outwards and facing the wrong way. So stupid! Mm. It's almost like you'd need to, um,
1: dig them up and turn them around I know. It's tempting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Or put them in pots so that you can, um, in the soil, like swivel them round. Yeah, that's such a good
0: idea. And um, mine have actually all died now they've all kind of gone to seed but the my neighbours luckily have managed to grow these beautiful like 12 13 foot sunflowers just oh. behind sunflower corner and so it almost if you don't look too carefully it almost looks like I've got award winning oh. sunflowers growing at the back <laughs> yeah and then there's
1: a cut through I live in central brighton the cut through in central brighton where there's um someone's put planters underneath Windows that stick out. So there's these planters don't really get any light and they're on a cut through road. There's sunflowers in those and they're growing up around the window that sticks out, like <laughs> really going for it, like we can do anything. Whereas mine's like, yeah, I'm just going to fly against the stem.
0: Honestly, they're such little princesses. Next yeah, year, so though.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they're not that fussed about what, what we're growing and not growing. Um, my main battle is trying to stop them from picking the fruit before it's ripe.
0: I've been there. My little babies, they pick all the red strawberries and they go, oh, strawberry, strawberry, strawberry. And the red ones run out and they pick the green ones. They go, grapes, Shannon, grapes. And I'm like, no, they're not very nice. <laughs> Don't eat those babies, <laughs> bless them. Um. Next question do you have any epic garden fails to share this potentially I guess the sunflowers could have been your epic garden fail but you might yeah, have
1: but I've got one. Like a funny story we've got like a courtyard garden and um when I was ridiculously pregnant with the twins so like I had maybe three weeks to go um we had the garden done so we had um we had some of the rosebuds um moved changed around we had a deck put in the corner where the sun comes first and um we covered the nasty patio tiles with fake grass so really nice fake grass I know loads of people hate it but it's better than patio in our in our garden Mm um but the only plant we had was a really beautiful white jasmine and um they were like well we're gonna have to take it out while we're doing the work um and then we'll just put it back where it was but we'll have painted the wall and I was like absolutely fine and anyway I couldn't really keep a track of what they were doing because I couldn't really move and as they were finishing off they came to me and they're like got confession I was like what is it like oh you've broken a window or something like we've put the white jasmine back in the wrong way (laughs) round. okay we don't have time to do anything about that fine it'll probably just be fine and then poor plant. it was so it was facing the wall (laughs) and it grew the first year it grew it was like all a bit um it was all a bit yeah it was all a bit straggly against the wall it it looked confused looked really confused it's totally got its act together now and it's brilliant again and beautiful massive um but yeah, the first first year after it been turned to face the wall, like a like a naughty child. It I was just about
0: nice. to say the ball plant probably thought it had been put in the naughty corner. Yeah, exactly. We should just
1: like, oh yeah, we've we put it back in, and we've dug it all back in, but we've put it in the wrong way around, so it's facing the wall. And I was like,
0: well, all okay,
1: right. How great. did they not notice until the end? <laughs> I think they were a bit like, we're going to get this job finished today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and it was it's it's brilliant and it's four years on it's still still really good but um yeah that was a bit of a fail it obviously felt the need to prove its worth in the end and was like i will come back i will (laughs) come back the raspberries that we transplanted the raspberries from a bed to a trough the same size and they never have come back they've come back because of nasty sticks
0: every year like here we are (laughs) oh no no fruit for you again this year not today and um, mine have done the same this year they're just all miserable like sticks of nothing just like weeds like look like a bit like bramble don't they it's horrible yeah. i'm actually going to get rid of them because they're just pointless there's no point in them being there because they're not producing anything the kids were a bit sad so i bought a potted
1: um raspberry plant that was just about to fruit and we've had maybe five raspberries but i mean to them that's amazing
0: yeah they so are really great homegrown
1: yeah two each for them and one for daddy I <laughs> can't <of> Mummy. <laughs> i occasionally sneak one when they're not looking if one ripens but if they've noticed one ripening they're like that one will be ready tomorrow be like, yeah, <laughs>
0: I'll Set one. One. <laughs> yeah. Like, who can get out
1: there fastest
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh bless them um next question what's your f- favorite favorite what's your favorite plant or flower to grow
1: I love wild strawberries. I think they're brilliant. I think they're really low maintenance. They'll grow anywhere like cracks in pavements. Um you get you get like a few a day that are edible and taste mm-hmm. brilliant. Um they may be tiny but they're pretty mighty. They are. Um, I love I love all plants that triumph over adversity like that. They they'll grow we um in Brighton we don't they don't um put any weed killer down anymore on the streets so all the pavement cracks um get weeds and this year we, no one did it uh, on our street the year before everyone um put s- s- flower seeds down so instead of um just dandelions and last mm-hmm. year weeds we had really pretty flowers all growing oh up against like double yellow lines and through pavement cracks i loved it it's brilliant really, that's really such lovely. a good idea yeah just um fill all the places that you would normally get sort of nondescript weeds with um flower
0: seeds and it's
1: beautiful really lovely
0: yeah i compete the weeds and put something pretty in, why not yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And then final question before we wrap up the episode. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's just starting out with gardening? I guess yours can be related to pest controls of kind of what you um, might look out for. I think don't don't take it
1: to heart too much and realise that it's not just you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's because you're growing something brilliant that the pests have come along. They've, they've noticed. They've come to adore it. <laughs> um yeah it's not just you um you will lose things along the way I think people have got to realize that um part of gardening is failing and 100%. part of house pump parenting is failing and that you have to um factor in a bit of attrition you have to factor in a little bit of failure and um just your example of your sunflowers two and a half thousand seeds for 11 sunflowers I mean yeah. that's extreme but um that's an extreme example but um yeah you, you
0: you're gonna have to give some back to nature mm-hmm. I think as well um every single failure is a lesson like I've probably got nearly 60 house plants now and a couple of weeks ago I had to repot 10 of them where I looked at one and was like that doesn't look very well and then I was like oh it's got fruit rot oh <laughs> let me repot that and then I looked at another plant and was like why is that leaf dropping and then I was like, oh, that's really pot bound. Let's repot that. And I went through and was like, oh God, there's like 12 plants that I hadn't realized what was wrong with them. But it's just like learning what to look out for. It's consuming as well. Very. like berry. Yeah, you sometimes have to break from
1: it. So yeah, you might, you might have a, a, a bit of time off and some stuff might die, but it's okay. It's
0: yeah it is it I love every single plant like it's a child but sometimes you have to just be like look it is just a plant it can go into plant graveyard where it will happily live its onward life it's
1: nice sometimes it is a real release to be like actually this is bringing me no joy yeah definitely we've got a great culture of leaving stuff outside your house for a day or so then if you want to get rid of something um and I had a I had a really annoying Tyroneum that was just, just dusty, it just continuously dusty. Um, it wasn't a very good one. And I put it outside on a Wednesday morning and it was gone within 10 minutes. No so way. Is absolutely loving that. Mm-hmm. And it was causing pain. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's a bit of like just a bit go with the flow, go mm-hmm. with the flow, but keep track definitely keep the track of um what's going on so that you can be um armed with knowledge for next time
0: I do think that's a brilliant takeaway keep track keep a little notebook I might actually get a little one that I can keep in my tea box in the shed so that because I always forget by the time I get home and then I'm sat there being like what was it I was meant to write down today <laughs> yeah I went shopping yesterday without
1: my list and was told like a whole time I was out of like, and then the next
0: thing was... yeah. I'm a big list, like Apple, my Apple notes. There's probably hundreds of lists in there where it's like things that I need to do in the greenhouse today, things that I need to buy from the garden centre, food that I need to buy, things that I need to text people or send my Zoom invites for the podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. Lists are brilliant. Mm. I've ordered an academic planner because um, it looked like it had really good spaces for lists. I'm really excited for it to arrive.
0: Amazing. I love, love a stationary fan. Oh, yeah
1: love stationery
0: (laughs) that's a whole other podcast Uh, thanks so much for chatting today Tess it has been super interesting and I know that everyone else is going to learn so much from this um so yeah thank you for coming on thank you very much and I'm always available if people want to ask questions um there's contact form on the
1: website or if you get my emails you can always reply to one of the emails and ask any questions that you have
0: Brilliant well I'm sure that you'll have a flurry of messages from me like the allotment later being like what actually is this what have I got? I know and the other thing that people should get
1: is um, Google Photos app because it has a function called Google Lens and um, it's like googling with a photo so you take a photo on your phone and then you go to Google Lens and you can find out what the insect is what the plant is sometimes if it's like a um, plant disease that you have so that's a really good tip if people um
0: download that onto their phone they that can that sounds amazing yeah it's really cool oh I'm definitely going to download that right away um one last thing if people want to find you on Instagram what is your handle it's at Care. perfect and that's it I'll let you enjoy your day thank you thank you Chatting with Tess was such a pleasure and I learned so much. That's my RHS exam revision for the day ticked off. Remember, if you need any advice, Tess is happy to help and you can find her on Instagram at ladybirdplantcare. Tess, I apologise in advance for the flurry of DMs you're going to get when I come to placing my order next week. There are definitely some undiagnosed pests lurking in my greenhouse that need to be gone before spring. (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your questions and stories on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener or via email gardener at gmail.com. That's all from me this week and I have got someone extra special for you next week. So happy growing.